from the directing team that brought you The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Hercules comes a space version of Treasure Island that finds Jim Hawkins and his dog professor friend thing aboard a flying space boat that is crewed by a real-life cat lady, a cyborg bear, a crabby spider guy, and quite literally a stone-faced man. Will old Jimbo be able to find the loot of a thousand worlds and bring it back to make his dear sweet mother proud? Find out as Banta Movie Club presents... Treasure Planet. Man, oh man, uh, we have a great review today. We are doing a BMC on Treasure Planet. I'm Perry, and I'm with Wes, the guy who almost forced us into watching the movie uh, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. So, uh, Wes, what what were you thinking? Um, I was thinking of our good friend Alex Fife, who's been trying to get us to watch that for months. <laughs> like I guarantee that probably would have been one of my least favorite experiences of my life. Um it would have made it would have made sitting at home and looking out a window for another bunch of weeks seem pretty good, I think. It would have been fun. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have that movie. Have you seen a trailer for that movie? No. You should watch the trailer for <laughs> well, that like, movie. Like have we have we watched anything that's honestly awful yet? Hancock was pretty bad, but you're right. No, okay, we yeah, haven't. Hancock was pretty bad. We haven't watched anything that's terrible yet. Maybe we maybe we should at some point watch something that's just that so was bad. my rationale. The fact that because like we could have totally trashed it, and it would have been fun. <laughs> I know, but I want to watch movies that like I think that more people will want to be involved with our movies if we like with our BMCs if we choose movies that they enjoy or they've been wanting to watch but haven't yet or you know stuff like that. So I stand by it. Well, uh, I stand by uh, my actions. Thank you to our to our. Uh, very knowledgeable um, listener base that made sure that that did not happen, though it was a lot closer. The poll was a lot closer than I was expecting. Uh, about 60% of the vote chose Treasure Planet, which is a movie we both thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. Wes, I want to give a little uh, history of Treasure Planet before we get going. I'm going to hopefully maybe start doing this for a little more of our BMCs, give some history, some background, some fun facts, and then I'll let you give a little uh, little fun, in Wes's words, summary of the Ooh, what movie. What a segment name. In Wes's words. I like it. I came up with that just now on the I spot. Tell. I am a creative, Wes. What, am I, what can I say? Anyway, so so Treasure Planet, Wes, uh, is, there's actually a really an interesting story about how it got made. Have you heard of Ron Clements and John Musker? I've heard of Ron Clements. So they are, yeah, they're the famous directing team behind Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog, and Moana. So Ooh. they've pretty much, they're, they're pretty much like the kings of Disney animation um, in their careers. 
and this was honestly their like biggest passion project they originally really? uh pitched the idea for treasure planner the idea for a treasure island in space back at the infamous 1985 gong show have you ever heard of the gong show wes nope the gong show is a time when disney animation they, they were really struggling you can kind of learn about it more if you watch the uh the documentary waking sleeping beauty uh, on disney plus but uh, 1985 they were struggling they had they were had just come out with uh, black cauldron which was like their biggest failure they, they'd really gone through kind of a rough patch and eisner michael eisner basically asked everybody to come up with three ideas for new movies and pitch them um treasure island in space was the one that john musker and ron clements were particularly excited about and they pitched that one, but Eisner rejected it because Paramount was rumored to be making a Star Trek sequel at that time uh, mm. with kind of a Treasure Island angle, but they didn't end up making that, um, so yeah. that was kind of a moot point. Anyway, uh, they also pitched The Little Mermaid at this gong show, and Eisner loved that idea, and they pretty much threw that right into production. Then, once The Little Mermaid was out in 1989, Katzenberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, whose name we've mentioned a few times on the show... Um, he eventually left the company very soon after this uh, to form DreamWorks in like the 1990s, but pitched this their idea again, Treasure Island in Space, to Katzenberg, and he really didn't like the idea. Uh, so they took it over his head, took it to Roy E. Disney, who loved the idea and lobbied straight with Eisner for it to be made. Uh, Clements and Musker then kind of made a deal with Eisner. They said... You know, we want to make this movie. We want to make Treasure Planet. We'll make Hercules for you, which they had been wanting the, them to make. Eisner had been wanting Musker and Clements to make Hercules. They're like, we'll make Hercules for you if we're allowed afterwards to make Treasure Planet. And so Eisner's like, okay, you know, if you give us one more big uh, cash in with Hercules like the last couple have been, then you can make whatever you want. You can make Treasure Planet. So that's kind of what went down. They made Hercules and then went right into Treasure Planet um, with the idea of like making it this big space sci-fi action um using a lot of cgi for for the first time really um honestly that at that point they hadn't used much cgi in disney movies um so but there was a lot of challenges with it when making it uh is you know with all the different effects it took a long time to make also titan ae have you heard of that movie was mm -hmm. titan ae came out in 2000 uh, to mixed reviews, terrible box office performance, and it pretty much crushed Don Bluth's directorial career. Um, Fox Animation Studios literally shut down after Titan A.E. because of uh, because of how poorly it did in the box office, and Don Bluth hasn't directed uh, a feature film since, I don't believe. That's a big yikes. So, you know, Disney was not sold that Treasure Planet would be a success. Uh, and they kind of showed that by giving it kind of a half-hearted attempt at marketing, and they released it in Thanksgiving 2002 uh, when it was fourth behind Chamber of Secrets, uh, James Bond, Die Another Day, and Disney's own The Santa Claus 2. <laughs> so they pretty much threw it in with the gauntlet of, of movies at that time. Uh, it was destined to, to not work, honestly. So, and it still remains one of Disney's Disney's biggest box office flops, although it received a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and was nominated for Best Animated Feature of that year, uh, but it did lose to Spirited Away. Well, that's kind of Rightfully sad. so. 
Rightfully so. Yeah, that was a, a pretty stacked year. One of the biggest stacked years of animation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fun fact for you, Wes. There was actually a sequel that was like before the movie was released in November 2002. They had written a sequel. Uh, a guy named uh, John Falkenstein was on board to direct it, and Evan Spiliotopoulos. Uh, yeah, that, that's great. That's a name. Uh, was writing it. And it was an early development. And the idea of it was that Jim Hawkins was going to meet this love interest named Kate, a classmate at their Royal Interstellar Academy. Uh, and they were going to team with Long John Silver to stop this villain named Ironbeard from freeing people at the Botany Bay prison asteroid. <laughs> uh, William Defoe was going to be Ironbeard. So uh, thankfully that was canceled because... <laughs> who needs that uh we kind of know how some of those sequels most of those sequels have gone down um poorly from from the from the direct to dvd uh branch we did a a whole two-part episode on those sequels if you want to check those out but uh but yeah that that leads us to the movie movie got released november 22nd 2002 and honestly wes i mean we don't need to go into our opinions just yet but we think it's very underrated Wes, you want to give your your uh, your summary of the movie in Wes's words? I can try. (laughs) Go for it. So here's what you got. You got a boy named Jim, James, Jim, whatever you want to call him, and he lives. James, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jam, Jim. Not Jimmy. Jimmy (laughs) Neutron. And he lives with his wonderful mother, and they seem to be pretty tight. You know, Um, he's got a dad that left, so happens. and he seems to be misunderstood. Gets in some trouble with the law, you know, like teenagers do. True. And his mom, like his mom's, like to build some character, let's send him out on a space mission. <laughs> <laughs> yep. With Doctor Dogface. Doctor Dil. Doctor Dilbert Doppler. Yes, I think so. <laughs> um, and their little mom and pop restaurant gets raided by the cyborg. That's what we know him as, the cyborg. Um, And then Dr. Dogface, that's what I'm just going to call him. And Jimmy, find a captain, Captain Cat Lady. And they get on a boat. Kind of. Kind of a boat. Would you call it a boat? I mean, it is It is the definition of a space ship. Ship. <laughs> um, and they go out and they look for Treasure Planet. And along the way, James and Silver, I believe is all we know him as, most yep. of the movie, become really tight. And, you know, it's kind of like the dad he never had until he turns on him. And he ends up being Captain Silver, who wants the treasure for himself. Mm-hmm. And all of the little measly crew that Captain Catwoman has brought together are actually working against them. Mm. We lose Stonewall Jackson. What's his real name? Mr. Arrow. Mr. Arrow, yes. I'm going to call him Stonewall Jackson. Quick, quick fact check. Uh, Doppler actually hired the crew. The cat lady did not like the crew. If you oh, remember. that's right. Um, and so then, I mean, with Stonewall Jackson gone, Captain <laughs> Cat Lady and Dr. Dogface, they and Jim, they end up prisoners. Looking for Treasure Planet still, though. Don't forget that. And then we meet Ben... Ben. The robot, who is the key to figuring everything out. And then eventually... Voiced by Martin Short. Yep. And then they 
all kind of just stumble upon Treasure Planet, to be honest. And great moral victory at the end, with Captain Silver realizing he was more of a dad to this boy than an enemy. And no one gets the treasure, because the planet explodes. <laughs> but but you, they you, built character. And you get some dope action scenes with some solar surfing and great music oh, yeah. that makes it one of the most... I don't Area. know. One of the most exciting and exhilarating Disney animation like scenes, I feel like, is some of that like solar mm-hmm. surfing at the end. Oh, there. for sure. And it's great. It's heartwarming. It's fun. It's angsty. Mm. You got, got cute you got cute factor with morph. You got John Resnick from the Goo Goo dolls adding some real edge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that is that's the movie in Wes's words. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well done. Uh, yeah, I would, I love how you call him Stonewall Jackson, uh, crazy cat lady, dog, Dr. Dogface. Nice. Nice. We like that. Well done. Let us know if you want us to keep making that a a recurring theme in our, in our BMC review. I honestly forget, forgot his name is Dr. Doppler throughout the entire movie. Dr. Dilbert Doppler. Because she just, they mostly just call him doctor. I'm you can't sure. do anything. I'm not a doctor. I mean, I am a doctor. I have a doctorate. You can't do anything with a doctorate. You can't help people. You just sit there and do nothing. That's so accurate. <laughs> that's that, that sentence alone is the reason I'm not doing a PhD. <laughs> I laugh so hard at that that line every time. And I love how um, Ben is voiced by Martin Short. And he calls he calls jim hawkins jimmy and it just reminds me of jimmy neutron when martin short voices oobla <laughs> oobla it's toast oh, oh my god hello toast <laughs> amazing oh man yeah so good stuff good stuff really a entertaining movie where should we start out with I, th- I really think we should start out with just how it like looks uh, it's it's one of the first movies to, to really make use of CG in addition to 2D. Really ambitious. Uh, the, that is kind of why it cost so much. In 2002, it cost like $140 million to make, which is quite a lot. Um, I mean, granted, Tangled still costs the most of any animated movie ever, as far as I know, at $260 million, so significantly more eight years later. Um, we can get into that another time as why Tangled costs so much to make. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances, but, uh, Treasure Planet, very ambitious movie, but it looks really pretty good. I think mm-hmm. honestly, so I just watched spirit, uh, the stallion of the Samaritan recently, Finally. um, also 2002, also one of the early movies to really try to use CG in a DreamWorks movie. And I think Treasure Planet looks significantly better significantly better there's times where it sticks out a little bit like maybe when those whales are going by at the beginning i feel like the whales just how huge they are and how full of how fully cgi they look onto the background of this of space maybe doesn't look great but i think for the most part the cg has come a long way since the um the flying through the cave of wonders scene in aladdin so Mm. it's come a long way and I guess the first time they really used it was actually in Great Mouse Detective. was the first time CG was used in a Disney movie. Um, and that was also Ron Clements, John Musker. So it was the uh, the clockwork mechanisms, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Good. Yeah, what do you think about how it looks, Wes? I think it looks good. I think it kind of looks very 2002 at times when you mix the CG and the 2D. But, like, 
I think it gives it some character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a trendsetter. Like you can definitely, definitely tell in today's day and age. There's no mm-hmm. you are doesn't matter. I mean, maybe if you're like six years old, you won't. But like in today's day and day and age, if you're our age, you can kind of tell what's CG and what's not, especially back then. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it it blends perfectly, but you know nothing really does. There's some movies nowadays where it's tough to tell what's CG and what's not that I've seen recently, even. But uh, this is not this is not one of them, and it doesn't really matter. I think it looks pretty good. No. And the fact that it was one of the first ones is great, too. Mm-hmm. How about the characters? Who are some of your favorites? Some of the ones you don't like as much? I maybe love some Jim. Of, maybe some of the voice casting that you that you like or don't like? I love Jim. I love Morph. <laughs> um, I did not like Captain Arrow, so I was not... Mm, Mr. Arrow! Yeah, I, w- I did not like him that much, so I wasn't too devastated when he fell off the boat. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, Stonewall Jackson. Stumble Jackson, the the Spider Man, Spider Crab guy, Scroop, 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 Scroop. Yeah, no, he freaks me out still at twenty three years old. Yeah, voiced by Michael Wincott. Yeah, oof, he gives me the heebie-jeebies. He's kind of uh, supposed to be like Israel Hands in Treasure Island. If you guys were wondering, um, if you guys are familiar with the book, which I have not read the book, but I'm familiar with the the characters just because I've you know done a lot of reading through of the mm-hmm. like how how treasure planet relates to treasure island there is no like scroop character but he's basically supposed to be kind of a reminiscent to israel hands mm-hmm. in treasure island uh, and i like ben but he kind of seems to me just like a robot dory <laughs> a little bit but he's he's so loud I like, like that though. He's I'm he's in like less than half of the movie, probably like forty percent of the movie, mm-hmm. and it seems like they try to give Martin Short, like they make up for the lines he didn't have in the first half of the movie because he has so many lines, so many punchlines. When I watched it the other day, I was like, oh, I forgot that he's barely in it. Right. As he's, he's not in it till like the forty-five minute mark, I believe. Yeah, or something like that. And. I, I mean, gosh, it came out in 2002, but I feel like the robot had a lot more publicity than some other characters. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, there's only, I believe there's only two characters that were walk-around characters in the Disney parks, and it was Jim and Ben. There you go. So, no no Long John Silver. Um, no, that'd be a, that'd be a no tough walk-around. No Delbert Doppler. They could have done that, but I don't think people cared that much about Delbert Doppler. I would have loved to see. Uh, I would have actually loved to see uh, Captain Amelia as a walk around character. That would have been cool. That would, cool. she would have looked like a dope walk around character. And she but, could have just started ordering ordering guests around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just so witty and fun. I've got a really, really good um, fan cast of that. When we get to that little spoiler, Ooh, little spoiler. Okay. Our next episode on Tuesday will not only be a send off for Wes, but also will be fan casting a lot of. Disney uh, favorites. Including so, Treasure Planet. Including Treasure Planet. So I'm not going to spoil any of that right now. But anyway, yeah. So so we've got um, Martin Short as Ben. Really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, obviously Martin Short is Martin Short. He he is as he does, and it's, he's funny. Uh, David Hyde Pierce as Delbert Doppler. I've actually heard um, that they pretty much designed the character Delbert Doppler around David Hyde Pierce, knowing that they wanted him to be the actor the whole time. That's great. So he's a combination of like Dr. Livesey and Squire 
Trelawney, as I'm reading on Wikipedia from Treasure Island. But uh, I like him. I think he's really quite funny. He's got some good mm-hmm. punchlines. Uh, he's he's kind of the fish out of water at the beginning of like he does not fit in with the rough crowd that's on a ship. Right. Uh, he, he thinks everything is all hunky dory and everybody respects him. And no, that's not how it works. Uh, so not when you're with pirates. <laughs> Uh, and you've got uh, you've got Brian Murray as John Silver, a cyborg who is we find out very early on, way before Jim ever finds out that he's the villain. Mm-hmm. He is the the leader. I mean, villains, is, so to speak. He's the leader of the gang of of pirates. pirates. Yeah. And then Joseph Gordon Levitt, JGL, Ooh, as Jim him. Hawkins. We love Jim. We love JGL. Dude, if we could like, did you know Emma Thompson was Captain Amelia? Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I did. If we could, like, just give JGL some young-looking makeup on set and make him the new, make him a live-action yeah. Jim, I'm for it. Yeah, but the problem is, he's, like, 17. I know. 18. And what and is now, JGL now? 35? Like 35, yeah. He's, he's pretty old. I mean, we're literally I'm, 18 years fine. later when this after this movie was made. So. I'm still for it. Yeah, uh, one thing that I did not know until this this time watching, uh, so I really don't love the narration at the beginning. Okay. I think it doesn't make much sense, especially because you don't really bookend the narration. Like, there's no narration mm. at the end, I, uh, I don't believe. as I, I mean, I watched it last night, and I don't think there is. So you just start with narration, and then it's just kind of gone. And the narration is, wait for it, Claude Froyo, the same voice actor that plays Claude Froyo in Hunchback. Tony J. I really don't need that. I would rather have some... I mean, if you're gonna do that intro scene where they introduce Captain Flint and his treasure of a thousand worlds, then you... Uh, I think it would be better, honestly, to have uh, Jim's mom because it, it would... I think it would introduce kind of a warmness and a relationship early. Um, if you have Jim's mom, Sarah Hawkins, doing... Mm-hmm. Like, Laurie Metcalf does... Uh, does his mom but I think she could do some she's telling him the story anyway like mm-hmm. that's why that's what's happening during this flashback right. I would prefer her seeing her like or listening to her do like a kind of a pirate impression uh, voiceover because it would kind of establish that you're you're telling him a story that she like and then also some some what of like a warmth and a relationship between Jim and his mother that I think mm. would set up really well I don't need Tony J's creepy Claude Froyo voice uh, it just doesn't I don't think it I don't think it's good. I don't know. That's probably my least favorite part of the whole movie, honestly, because <laughs> I love the movie so much. So, uh, so yeah. What do you what do you think about that? What is that? Uh, honestly, stand didn't even to think you? didn't even think, think about, about it? it until you said it. But that's fine. Yeah, I agree with you. You do now that I think about it. Yeah. Cool. Good. I'm glad. I think it also would have made his mom more important. Yeah. Too, if she narrated. Yeah, Sarah Hawkins is, like, underratedly important. Uh, she, she cares so much about her son, and mm-hmm. and if they were to remake it with live-action characters, I think that she would be a little more important even Probably. Um, than given credit for. So, anyway, so as we get going, uh, as you so eloquently said, he gets on a ship with uh, with Captain Cat Lady and, and with Stonewall Stonewall Jackson. Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that I think is really important to note about Treasure Planet is the emotion and the connection that it has with a lot of people Wes I've I've heard people brought to tears personally talking about how the story uh, affects them personally um, 
because of, you know, seeing Jim, uh, someone who is just so used to being a screw up, mm-hmm. um, letting people down, taken under the wing of this crazy cyborg. Who treats him really well. Who does treat him well. He's obviously he's got a soft spot for him pretty early on. And you can just see them bond. And through the song, I'm Still Here, you get a, mm. a montage that shows shows you visually his dad walking out on him and, the, and him running out, mm-hmm. like his mom crying and him running out to try to keep his dad from from leaving and you know that being the last time that he ever sees his dad it's pretty emotional and um and then just flashing back to and sees uh silver basically asking him to jump on the boat with him and Mm -hmm. you know you can tell it's it's really important to him um he starts during the scene like feeling that kind of connection and you 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 know start feeling that he sees silver as his like father figure Mm -hmm. so that's just I don't know I just feel like that's super emotional I've never had those kind of like daddy issues you know man but but that is that is some serious stuff that I think really hits some people especially hard mm-hmm. uh, I've heard I, I listened to a podcast uh, it was like a four hour podcast all about Treasure Planet oh yeah you told me about that and one of the hosts was brought to tears talking about this this scene and the the message um, full grown man brought to tears talking about it and so that's can't be understated is that power of how mm-hmm. they've told the story um yeah what do you think about the, the 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 way they tell this message and the emotion behind it i think it's what makes john silver so great mm-hmm. because like you said we know from the beginning he's the bad guy bad guy not the very, very beginning, but pretty early. Pretty early. Well I use, before... I use air quotes behind bad right, guy. Right, But then, I mean, so you see Jim, like, he's got... He has daddy issues. Right? Mm-hmm. Dad left, gone, hurts, sucks, whatever. Then he kind of gets a new one. He didn't ask for a new one, you know? He wasn't really looking for a new one. Right. But he still got it. And I think that's what makes... At least for me, it's like, you know, I know John Silva's the bad guy early on, but like, I'm never mad at him or like afraid of him because he is a dad. It's good. It's deep. It's good. It's creative. Yep. They killed it. They, yeah, they killed it with that story. And then, of course, they, uh, they crush Jim's, uh, hopes and dreams, uh, when he finds out that, you know, he overhears. Silver talking with the crew, um, and we kind of personally know. I think. Right. I think the audience knows that he's kind of. He definitely has a has a genuine soft spot for Jim, but he doesn't know that. And he think he overhears Silver talking to the crew and saying that he doesn't actually care for Jim. He's just trying to throw him off the trail and um, whatnot. And he just he's crushed by that. So that's when kind of the the end of the movie starts. Uh, you know, they have to the mutiny starts. They have to escape the ship. They drop down to the planet. You know, the, the treasure the search for the treasure starts. Jim going against Silver, kind of back and forth, trying to uh, each one trying to keep the upper hand. They eventually find the treasure, and as the world is pretty much self destructing, and Jim's life hangs in the balance, where Silver has to decide. Could he, does he save all the treasure that he's spent his entire life looking for, or does he save Jim? 
he lets it go and saves Jim. Mm-hmm. And I think that one act kind of restored their relationship. That's the real treasure, Perry. <laughs> That's the real treasure is friendship. <laughs> no, but I I think that was a really cool uh, moment to see. Like, they don't really have to do much explaining after that. At that moment, like, Silver has chosen to save Jim. He's revealed his cards pretty much at that point. He, that uh, the Jim's more important to him and that, you know, they get back onto the ship and he's supporting Jim and asking, you know, like, what do you need me to do uh, to help get us out of here? Mm-hmm. they just trust each other you know so i think it's a really well done movie and then this that last action scene action sequence when jim's flying the the solar surfer but really it's not the actually full solar surfer this time it's just the the piece of the ship and a little uh little engine mm-hmm. that he uses which begs the question once they get out into space wes once they go through the portal to get to montresor's spaceport um and he's still riding that thing why does he not float off into space? Does that little piece of shrapnel have artificial gravity? <laughs> yeah, it's a plot hole. <laughs> but I don't care. It's a great, it's a great film. Uh, it ranks on my uh, my ranking. I'd say some people, you know, after hearing me talk about it, you probably think I have it in like my top ten. I do not actually. I have it. I believe at number nineteen right now out of fifty-eight. Ooh. While I do like this movie, I will say. Um, there's some things that keep it out of being, you know, an elite Disney film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't look perfect. I think it looks pretty good. I would say uh, some things that, that don't make an elite film. Um, it's it's kind of dark. It's kind of edgy. It fits with me perfectly, like perfectly well. But it is, it's not the kind of movie that, that has something for everyone. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. There There is certain movies that have something for everyone, I think. You know, the, the Lion Kings, the Beauty and the Beasts, right. um, the Tangleds. Aladdin's, you know, they have something for everyone. I think this movie relates to some people better than others, for sure. Uh, similar to Onward, you know, Onward I think has a message that oh, relates so really good. well to certain people. But yeah, I have it at 19. I have it above some some incredible movies like you know uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and Sleeping Beauty and um, you know Hunchback. I have a well above Hunchback. I have a well above The Little Mermaid. So some really quality movies. Uh, that I think it's better than, but it doesn't beat out, you know, my top 10 or even my like ones like um, Big Hero 6, Lilo and Stitch, Hercules, I still have above it. Uh, Wes, where would this rank in your, just just guessing, I know you haven't made the full ranking. Oh gosh, how many are there, 58? There's 58. I would give it like a a 15 to 25. Yeah, so similar, similar position to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this leads not us... Not top 10, probably. Not top 10. This leads us to the tough, tough position of having to rate it on the Hot Rod scale of rating movies. I don't think it's that tough. You don't think it's that tough? Nah. Okay. Wes, where would you rate it on the Hot Rod scale of rating movies? It's a fat Cool Beans for me. Cool Beans! It's a fat Cool Beans. Uh, that's why it's... That's where it's hard for me, Wes, is I don't... Uh, is it a cool beans or is it a straight up party? That is my question. And I still haven't made that decision at this moment that we're talking. I can tell. I can tell by looking at you. You know, Wes, so here's the thing. For me personally, Treasure Planet is a straight up party. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to party Ooh, wow. straight up party 
that I, I'm I'm gonna have to like separate my my like rankings from my like my my number ranking of every movie from like my own personal hot rod scale rating. Mm. Uh, they, the, I've got to have to separate them because that doesn't mean that I'm gonna have 20 movies that are a perfect party. But for me personally, this movie is a straight up party. If that makes sense. Okay. Love it. Love Treasure Planet. Mm. Watch it over and over, probably once or twice a year, every year. At least. Yeah, so. I almost watched it twice this week. For real? Yeah. <laughs> like, by accident, or what? No, I watched it on purpose for this, and I was like, oh, I could just watch it again. But I didn't. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Well, I had a good time with it. I'm glad that our listeners picked it for us. Yeah, I'm glad you almost rigged it. <laughs> I did not rig it. Uh... There are some other movies that we considered, but... Like Super Babies 2. <laughs> but this one came out on top. Tune in Tuesday, our final... Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Our final episode before a little hiatus will be going on. Um, as Wes goes off for the summer... We hope. We may be able to get... Yeah, we hope. We may be able to get him back on for a, another BMC here or there. But I've got some ideas uh, maybe for uh, an episode or two this summer. Also, uh, while we're while we're on this hiatus, um, we're hoping to come back with, with great content in the fall. So if you guys have any ideas for what, what you think we should be doing, what should we be... Uh, maybe movies we should definitely be reviewing or topics we should be covering in our feature episodes, maybe rankings we should make or games we should be doing let us know on our instagram or on our facebook send us send us those ideas we've always taken into account some of our audiences Mm -hmm. feedback into the top into the topics we do so do that but yeah wes uh this was fun and i'll see you on tuesday for this uh recasting of Mm -hmm. some of the great animated movies